Hello and welcome to, uh, are we calling it Ashlyn? Our Ashlyn podcast, yes. <laughs> Lisa, Ian, Andre, and special guests. Say hello before we introduce the most awesome Myers people. This is uh, Travis Myers and Melissa Myers. They're uh, good friends of ours of the podcast, and we've invited them on to pick their brains about cool stuff you should know about. Uh, Melissa is a production designer. Travis is an, uh, an actor, and they're both parents in the business. I have a lot of questions for them about how they do their thing. And here we go. Let's just get right into it. All right. I, th this is probably going to sound like 101, but I kind of really don't always know what a production designer does. What does a production designer do? Do. Well, and production designers and art directors change depending on the um, the career path. Like you, as you know, working in advertising, an art director is a totally different thing than it is in um, film and television. Uh, but production design um, basically is the person in charge of the visual, everything visual that has to do with the film and the visual storytelling process. So, even though I'm not saying that I'm responsible, but I, I collaborate with all of the others, the DP, uh, cinematographer, um, director, and we all kind of hone in, but I'm kind of the, the, the lead person to talk to in terms of the visual look of the film. Do you ever, can be do you get pissed off when somebody uh, confuses you for the prop master? No, well, it, it rarely happens anymore, but it, you know, sometimes it's like our art department, which is, you know, my department is, is a pretty extensive department, depending on the project. If it's a super indie film, it may be just me and the prop master and an art director and a set deck. Sometimes um, you're the prop, you know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, early on, I was kind of the everything lady. Um, and sometimes with these indie projects, you'll be surprised how quickly I have to kind of jump back into that. Sure. Which, um, you know, it kind of helps to come from that world of, of being the everything girl because you can kind of jump in and, and, and pick up where, need, where it needs to be. But um, but yeah, so the production designer is kind of the architect of the film in terms of the visual storytelling aspect of it. How did you get into it? Like, how did you go, I'm going to pick this, I'm going to do this? Yeah, well, it's kind of wild because um, I went to school forever uh, for interior design initially, and then I went back to school for architecture and um, I worked at several different firms, uh, commercial and residential, hospitality, you name it. And every job that I had, I hated, but I loved school. Um, so I kept trying and kept trying and ended up at a, a wonderful uh, firm in West Hollywood, which I thought was kind of the dream job. It was like we were doing like ad agency interiors for like Shiat Day and Saatchi and Saatchi and stuff. And I still didn't like it. And I always loved film, so I just kind of decided to uh, plan my escape and work a year and save up some cash and leave <laughs> and try something new. Uh, but before I did that, I started interviewing production designers and art directors that were working in the field, like, you know, Royal Tenenbaums, uh, Mark Freeberg, people like that that I really admired. And they actually emailed me back. Oh, wow. So I started kind of interviewing with them or talking to them on the phone and having phone meetings. And um, I was like, this is something I think I should go after. And now's the time to do it because, you know, I had invested, you know, a few years in, you know, architecture and interiors and tried it out and obviously seven years of school. So I was like, what the hell? You know, this is definitely applicable to film and why not try it? Wow. What, so what's, I did. If I can ask, what schools did you go to? I went to, initially I went to Art Institute of Seattle for interior design, and then I went back to school two, about two and a half years later, uh, a private school in, in uh, Burbank called Woodbury, um, and it's an architecture school uh, and animation and interior design uh, program. They also have graphic design too, but it was a great school. It was definitely heavy studio, uh, high creative, like low I think it was like our student size was like maybe 28 people per class. Mm -hmm. So when you're calling uh, up, yeah. I have, I want to dive back into the question of you calling like these pros, these seasoned pros, like nobody said, you know, fuck off or go figure it out yourself. Like they were generous with you. I know. I was really kind of scared, but I also, you know, there's something about being naive to the world of, you know, cause and not knowing about the industry that <laughs> actually was a huge benefit to me in the beginning because 
I literally, you know, coming from like the career side of like, you know, architecture and interiors, it was like you had to like, you know, do the resume and, you know, meet some contacts and, you know, hopefully get an interview, a, a personal interview. <laughs> so there was like a very specific and rigid way to do things. And um, with film, it's like I didn't know what that industry was about or how to even get into that industry, not knowing anyone that was working in it. So to me, it just made sense to just I guess it's a little childlike when I think about it, but it just made sense to go, okay, what are my favorite movies? And let's look on IMDb. You know, at the time, I didn't even really know what IMDb was, but Travis was obviously a part of it. And I was like, I'll just look them up and find out, you know, if I can get their contact information. That is nutty. And so website and stuff. It yeah. has to be because you have like the best aura of any person I've ever met on a set. I think that's how we've got to be friends. I'm like, she must just be new at this because she's so nice. And you're like, you were so calm. And then you were like, you had been doing it for like a while since I met you. And I'm like, okay, then she's Gandhi. So I probably, there's something about you. I think that people are like, oh, I'll answer this really cool person's questions. Because if I were to do that, it would be a restraining order. Uh, so, <laughs> with so let's go, go over to Travis. So Travis, how long have you been at the game? You're doing probably one of the jobs that I, I started out as an actor a million years ago when the earth was cooling, but I just, I know how hard it is to do what you do. And the fact that you do it well and you're still out there and you're, well, we're not, nobody's doing anything right now, but like, how did you come to the craft and what's, what's it been like? Just walk us through Travis coming to. Mine, mine was a little bit, I was, I was in Seattle and, um, I planned on when I got out of high school, I was planning on going to college and, you know, kind of going that route, but I still wasn't totally sure what, what I was going to do, but I was kicking around and I was doing, doing jobs. I was a welder for, for years. Um, I was a fisherman in Alaska for years. And so I was doing all these kind of jobs and kind of grew up in, you know, a little bit more of a blue collar state. I mean, I was dying to get out of where I was at and get down to downtown Seattle. And once I did, um, I ended up, uh, was interested in acting, but knew nothing about it. I, whatever. I mean, what you see, you watch Al Pacino, you watch De Niro, right. watch these greats and you go, I can do that. Oh, that yeah. That's fantastic. <laughs> yeah. This is wonderful. <laughs> and I go down and I ended up uh, actually going to uh, Seattle Central Community College, but they had a fantastic uh, theater program run by a woman named uh, Dr. Tanya Pettiford Waits, who, um, if you ever look her up, she's just fantastic. Um, and she came out of New York and, and I believe it was New York. Anyways, once I got in there and really started kind of digging into like, what this was and reading Uta Hagen and understanding the group theater and and some of these great teachers and going through this process of really diving into what characters were then I got hooked then it wasn't just some bullshit like I want to be on a, a freaking magazine kind of thing. It was like, okay, this is work, man. This is like, you got to, it's a real job. Head into this, yeah. you know? Yeah. And once that grabbed onto me, then I was kind of hooked. And so from there it was theater. I mean, just being on the theater and, and um, working on plays. I think my first play I did was, was two gentlemen of Verona. So it was like, Oh, we're going to go right into Shakespeare. Oh, Oh, okay. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> right. But so anyways, that's, that's kind of where it started. And then once it got its hooks in you, um, you know, you just keep kind of plugging along. And like Melissa said, you know, when we first moved down to LA, being naive was fantastic. Yeah. You're just like, I'm going to call, you know, this agent and, send my stuff to these people and I'll walk the in their front door. I did the you same know how many thing. times I try to sneak on the lot? <laughs> <laughs> I'd be like, yeah, UPS. <laughs> then you go, those guys have tasers. Just uh, yeah, a shitty car. That's wow. not a UPS truck. That's hilarious. Andre, you had to yeah. Yeah. So when did you make the movie? You said you started out in like traditional theater. When was the move to like doing film and TV? Um, that happened because, 
um, a local casting director up in Seattle, I believe I saw some of my work and um, there was a show at the time called The Fugitive. They were doing a TV series up in Seattle and uh, I got called in to audition for it and I didn't really, I was like, oh, okay. So anyways, I, I went in and, and didn't get the part, but I got a call back. And I ended up auditioning for that five times and I got five callbacks and never booked. But, um, and I was probably didn't have, I don't know, maybe the audition was okay or not, but regardless, um, it kind of said, okay, well maybe you're at least on the right path. So I started kind of doing that a little bit more, but I was still doing plays. I mean, Seattle was yeah, a theater a town. Theater. There wasn't yeah. a lot of, a lot of ton of filming going on up there. It still kind of is though. I mean, you always had have had a heavy yeah, theater. Yeah. 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 And a lot of people, I think, uh, there's been quite a few people that have come out of the Seattle scene. Yeah. Um, and I'm sure that they've jumped in the theater scene up there as well. Paul Giamatti. Yeah. I think he there was you at go. The That's right. So there's, there's some people up there. Yeah. Oh, I want to ask you both the same question. What is the, the, your favorite thing about your craft, the thing that really, you know, you said it got your hooks into you, like how, and then for you, Melissa, like, what is the thing that makes you go, my God, sometimes, because we know as creators, we know we're working in the film business, it ebbs and flows. You have great months. You might have a couple of films a year and then nothing. So what is the, your favorite thing about it? Knowing that it can be tough and we're going to get into pandemic, but like in the before times, you know, what was your favorite thing about your craft? For me, I think my favorite thing is the character work. I mean, my work is pretty, um, even commercially, it's pretty narratively dri driven. And if there's not a story with the character, I'll make up one because I love character and behavior, you know, and I just love all these obsessions that maybe a character has or just little iterations. Maybe they're obsessed with birds or colors or whatever. I kind of, I like to... Um, I like to explore that realm um, of things, which is why I really prefer feature film for that reason. But um, yeah, I think the character work is probably my favorite. And then I'm just gonna I'm gonna break the rules here and add one more thing. But from from a from a rules. Uh, we don't have any rules. From, you're like rules. There's no rules here. Um, First one. I love the I love the collaborative aspect of work with other team people. Um, coming from architecture and interiors, it was always like yeah, you worked with other people, but you guys always went back to your cubicles and kind of did your own work, you know? Yeah. Here it's like this powerful idea of like being able to see something immediately realized, but there's no way that you can do it on your own and you have to like call and ask for favors and immediately like we get to know each other. You know, we may have just gotten to know each other yesterday and I you sent me your email and you're line producing this thing or whatever. And then by tomorrow, it's like we're best friends and, you know, we're, we're trusting each other and we've, you know, we've got to do this together. And there's something there's something extremely powerful and addictive about that to me that Travis. I really love. Travis? She stole a lot of my stuff. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to happen in that household. I she'll break it. No, she, well, she'll break a script down um, in regards to character like like an actor does. And that's you know, one of the things that when you start creating, whether it's in theater or film or whatever, is really diving into those characters. What are their quirks? Who are they? How do you make this person three-dimensional? Um, and that's kind of a, an addictive process in getting that. But also, what don't you know? Like, that's the coolest thing is yeah. that the, you're going into a world that you don't need. Maybe you got an idea of it, but you're going to learn something if, if, if you're, you know, doing your job, you're get, you're going to learn something about yourself and you're going to learn something about uh, a different point of view. Mm. So that's like a, a fantastic thing to do with, with acting is be able to get into that. There is also that, um, that team, I grew up playing sports. So there's that team mentality. Look, when you're on a set, if, if, if you got everybody, together and, and collaborating and working together, that film is going to, even if the film isn't, you know, the greatest <laughs> right. film, the experience is going to be fantastic. That's and right. of course you want the film to come out and be wonderful, but collaboration with everybody 
And in working through all those tough things and figuring it out, that's why we do it. And that's the that's such a huge pleasure. And it's almost addictive. Mm-hmm. You're like, oh, I want to get in with these people and, and do it because it's not one person. Yeah. I mean, you can have yeah. one really yeah. great actor. And if if nobody else is firing on those cylinders, then then everything's going to go down the tubes. Yeah. Yeah. Conversely, so, if you have like somebody power tripping or yeah, then you've got or you've got a like a, a ill-tippered sea bass on your set, then. Then either it, and you're all forged together to fight that asshole, or it demoralizes the entire set. I mean, Ian, you're on more sets than I am these days. I mean, what do you do? You like does that ring with you? Well, I mean, it, it's a little, it's a little different because, um, like I, 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 I'll rock onto a like a, if it's like a, a corporate or a, um, a commercial. I'll, I'll walk onto set and everything's already done. You know, set deck and everyone they've they've done pre pro. I never get to be involved in pre pro. It's like here's the sound guy, mic him up, let's go. Poor sound. So guys. I'm listening to your experiences, <laughs> and I'm like, you know, like when you create, you're talking about character. How much creativity do you get? Like leeway do you get to bring in what you what you see your character is as opposed to the director? Because I mean, I work with a lot of civilians, so it's it's and it's corporate. So they'll be like, say it this way, do it like this. Um, and then and commercials, uh, promos, it's the same way. It's, it's client wants it this way. But when you get to be creative, it's like, and then how do you take the, well, I wanted to do it that way, but I'm being shot down. You know, how do you get that, that back and forth? What does that look like? If that makes sense. Oh, uh, I think that is... <clears throat> And it depends on what you're working on. Like you're talking about industrials and commercials. And commercials. Yeah. You're working for a corporation, yeah. a client. Yeah. Says, and an agency. And exactly. An agency. But on, on and the, we want our product, and a production company. And right. we want our products to have this feel and we want these type of people to buy it. And we want this. So it's, uh, you know, I'm, I'm probably not the greatest person. I do have not done well with commercials. No? I, I, I seem to do better with, Film. He's too interesting. Film and TV, <laughs> yeah, right. I think. Um, I mean, but, I did. I see you selling like power tools, like right now. I'm just telling you, man. Y'all need to. Y'all need I, to get I, on I this would, power tool trip right here with this actor, man. I see it. I'd go out. I'd go out for a Ford truck commercial, and they'd be dude, like, dude, no, they, you're the guy. Are you kidding me? I'd buy a Ford truck just because you're in the commercial, dude. We have our friend Potch. Potch does all the. What does Potch do the stuff for? He's the um uh. Is he? Uh, he does. He's the guy who asks all the questions of the room of people. We knew him in improv oh, back yeah, in the a million years ago. We know Potch Boyd, and we see him. And I'm still. And every time I see these commercials, a I don't. Chevrolet or something. I'm like always that. wishing him yeah. well. I'm like, good for Potch. It's great. They have they have you know young children. You know, and I was thinking, oh, they're gonna get to they're gonna get to eat this year. They're gonna get that mortgage pay. That's what I'm thinking. <laughs> and he's such a natural. But I think to Ian's question, so you you that's a very scripted as you say you're working yeah. for the man but, but on but on, yeah. the, on the more the narrative side yeah you know on, on the narrative side i think you i mean depending on your the, the directors that i've worked with they've been extremely collaborative and and you get to know them a little bit before you know you, you show up on set mm-hmm. and hopefully you develop some sort of trust in um in each other and so they they give you that a little bit of freedom now if the film is is kind of a stylized film and maybe i'll use like david lynch as an example there's a certain style or or wes anderson mm-hmm. there's a certain pace and style that you're doing cohen brothers um where they wanted a little bit more kind of their way um and so i think with that you you know you have to adjust to what that director wants yeah. Uh, he or she is ultimately the captain. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so you're you're working with them, but you try to get a little bit of a balance in between them so you can have that collaboration. That's really interesting what you say because I don't have nearly uh, as much film set experience as my co-host, but I do have a lot of experience in the theater, and I have been in situations where a director will give a note and actors come up to them and and like I understand your vision, but 
I don't believe as an actor that this character would make this decision or that decision. And usually the mark of a good director is being able to work with that instead of immediately shutting it down. So I think it's interesting that there's that correlation. Do you feel like your experience in theater has helped you with collaboration, whether it's just another another co-actor or uh, just the director or anybody? Oh, absolutely. I mean, when, when I first started out um, in the theater at Seattle Central, we not only were acting, but we had to pick a department. So you either had to build sets, you had to hang lights, whatever it was, sound design. So um, you weren't just <clears throat> an actor, you were part of the whole team. And I think that was part of collaboration. And a community. An I mean, absolute I really community. saw that with theater. Yeah. Um, and I've not worked in theater at all. I did one theater project a couple of years ago, maybe four years ago now, for a friend of mine. And I really understood what his uh, what the appeal was with theater. Because I was always like, oh, there's not a lot of money in it. You know, it's like, it's not as, you know, fast paced and this and that. I'm like, what's the, what's the attraction not having any knowledge of it? And the attraction is the community. Community, yeah. Yeah. The community was really, really it absolutely is, and I think special. that helps you, you know, collaborate. And you, you're always going to work with people that you might not like, <clears throat> There's that, that you might not get along with. Yeah. And where can you find some sort of common ground to finesse this thing, so you can? It make also it makes you a better navigator with personalities, though, too, because yeah. you, you start to. Like on the next project, you'll you'll know who that one you know lady is, or that one person that's like you know the super passive aggressive, but they're really kind, or you know <laughs> whatever. But you learn how to navigate and communicate with those people and not take it so personally anymore. You know yeah. what I mean? <laughs> I think you also them. you also detect those personalities earlier. The more you start to work yeah. with them, like yeah. you could probably look at someone and be like, they are probably going to be a problem. <laughs> Trouble, yeah. problems, yeah. asshole, drug addict. Uh, I used to be a producer. I would sit there and go, oh, no. Uh, But uh, one of the things, before I go into the next question about, you know, the challenges, it just occurs to me, like, how aware are you, Travis, of the crew? I mean, you're married to someone who's, you know, a big piece of this. It has being with Melissa made you more aware of the crew? Was it already kind of built in from theater? Like, are you like you you know what the gaffer does? You know what everybody does? Are you like how aware of you are on that set when you well, step up there? I I definitely um, am with her much much more aware. I'm much more aware of what the art department's doing. Um, I'm much more protective if if that I can say that like. Wanting them to, hey, you know, I, I don't know if effective is the right word, but I'm respectful. Re- respectful. Good. I wasn't. I've always been respectful. No, I'm not saying that you're not. <laughs> I'm, I'm just, just saying like you. But I mean, yeah, it's just it's much whatever. more. Yeah. yeah, and don't go on set and start moving stuff around and don't touch put your other. shit on the set. Yeah, don't do that. Be, yeah. be respectful. And um, I think that has definitely been aware. I've worked on sets. Um, you know, helping out uh, when I first moved to LA, I was anything to get me on set. I'll help. I'll be a gaffer. I'll do. I've pulled him onto projects many. Oh yeah, and I've been too, on projects especially early on that first year. Yeah, like. And so, um, I'm definitely aware of it because I've I worked on the sets. It's like there's all this other stuff, like whatever welding jobs or fishermen. You work some hard stuff, and then when you go into this, you know what's going on in other places, so you you realize that. Things are tough in other places, so be respectful. You're not the only one. Yeah. There's other people at play here. I think, so, yeah, definitely more. I think that there was a question that Nick Opperman was asked many years ago, and he goes, what's your superpower? And he said, kindness and respect. Like, yeah. you know, I think he, he walked into a set. He was hanging up his costume. He was putting things in the right places. And the people right. on the set were like, he's parting the waters. They were like, what's this guy doing? He's being respectful. And he goes, <laughs> Isn't everybody supposed to be fucking respectful? Right. And it's like you'd be surprised, you know. So yeah, I don't think that I don't think that should. I mean, in the way that kind of I, her and I both um, try to teach our daughter and everything like that. Like that's that's second nature, right. right? Like that should just be common knowledge to do those things. 
you know, to, to be kind, to be generous with people. Also know when you need your space, you know, as well. Setting back. Letting them know, and be, being communicate, cool. Yeah. Communicate, being cool with it. I mean, like, hey, you know, I need my space right now. I got, I'm working on some stuff as well. So, you know, yeah. yeah. You're not going to scream at the the gaffer when he's setting up the lights while you're in the bat suit. Anyway, it's another story. We just told that story in the last podcast. So uh, what's your biggest challenge in the before times, Melissa? Like when, before COVID, what was the thing that you keep, that was just a constant, would you say, for a production designer? That if, if somebody's like looking at doing this and you're the person that they're calling up and going, hey, what would be the challenge you would tell them to like work on or anticipate? I think the challenge, I hate to go straight to budget, but budget is always a challenge. We know it's all about the budget, yeah. Um, because usually whatever I've been contacted about the job, the budget's already been established. And, you know, as you know, as a producer, budgets change can, can change very quickly. But budget can be a real hindrance in the beginning because I am not one of those people that goes straight to creative. I mean, I want to go straight to creative because that's the place I want to, you know, play. But I have to look at the logistical and find out, like, you know, how many crew can I have? You know, um, what are, what are what are the components of the script? You know, whether it's a commercial or um, a narrative project, and then what are they wanting to accomplish versus what they have? Right. So I kind of have to go straight to like the accounting in the beginning to find out. And there's always this little bit of a section or sometimes it's a lot of a section where there's a little bit of a battle back and forth between me and the line producer on getting more money. Sure. <laughs> They're like, hey, can we have Cirque du Soleil and but we only have circus money? And you're like, no, we can't really make this square yeah. in this dude's garage look like a palace, but copy that. And then know. turn it around and like get it, get it back to one in like, you know, in, in like four hours with no crew. Like, exactly. Uh, yeah. yeah. I mean, that is, so I, mean, ultimately, I don't like to be the bad guy in the beginning, but I, I, I have to have those kind of tough confrontations and I usually have to start the confrontation or start the conversation in the beginning. But and that's kind of weird because it's like, this is the creative time. This should be like the ideas time. But I try to get that out of the way first. So that's probably the biggest challenge. I think beginning. you do it really well. I've watched you in action. I've seen you ask well. I think you could personally teach you a know. class on how to, how to ask for more money without ruffling feathers or telling someone <laughs> no when they want some ludicrous bullshit expensive thing. And you're like, they don't make that. Um I've yeah. seen you operate, and I have to say that's one of the superpowers I think you have is asking for that. Yeah, thank uh, you. I appreciate. It. Travis, for you, what was what's the biggest challenge? I think the biggest the the challenges with a lot of that that is very common with a lot of actors, especially when you're not known, is trying to get the powers that be, whether it's casting or agents or managers. Yeah to actually watch your work, yeah. Um, whether it be a reel, whether it be a short film, whether it be whatever it is. A TikTok video. Um, now, right. <laughs> now, if you're doing something like that where you're, you know, getting 50 million hits and yeah, they're, they're going to jump on that. And, and that's really cool for some people that do reality things or that style of work. I guess I'm more talking about uh, a traditional style. Of this yeah, this is what we do. This is this is our lives. Mm -hmm. um, and granted, they get bombarded with stuff. Um, but you know, after a while, that's that's probably the biggest challenge because you're asking them to take two, three minutes. Or if you have a short, I did a short film a couple of years back, and I think we ended up winning like 13 awards, did 40 film festivals around the world. I got two best actor awards and I would be like, Oh, okay. Well maybe I can use this to kind of get some, and, and it's still hard because you're asking for their time. And I get that. I understand that, but it still can be a little bit of a, of a challenge and a little bit frustrating that you're just trying to like, Hey, just look at this. I'm not asking for a handout. Just, just watch me work. I, I kind of have a, I think I have a big problem in this industry with attention spans because I've seen Academy voters that can't even be fucking bothered to watch any of the content they're voting on. They hand their voting cards to their assistant or their stepdaughter's cousin's uncle. 
Um, I saw somebody, an Academy of Voters, sit in a bar and have the patrons sit there and vote. I tore into this dude. Well, it was a few drinks deep. But I tore into this guy going, fuck you, dude. There's so many people who really want your opinion. But maybe we should at the bar fill out your cards. But, like, I feel like it's really not a whole lot to ask. You, a lot of people went through a lot of effort to put that together. You can take three minutes to watch someone perform. I have a big problem with it. You know, I can say this, I can, I can yell at casting directors, even though I have some really good friends as casting directors. I think a lot of them get jaded. And I think a lot of people are just lazy as fuck and they really should give, and you're missing out. You're missing on a boat load of talent when you don't watch and when you don't pay attention and this industry is changing. And I think a lot of these old dogs who don't know any new tricks or new habits are going to end up missing out and getting overshadowed by what's coming. Cause I feel like something is coming. That's just me I'm trying to mm -hmm. force it to come. Um, <clears throat> so let's get about into, let's get to the pandemic stuff. I mean, of course, you know, we're here, everybody's sick of the, sick of the whole thing. We're sick of it. We're all sick of it. Uh, some of us never came out of lockdown. I think you guys went to your desert place. We're <laughs> holed up in Santa Monica. Uh, I'm making my husband buy bags and bags of mulch. That's a whole other, whole other Oprah story. Uh, really impressive work, though. <laughs> I mean, your husband has done some pretty impressive yard work there. Single-handedly, today we had 100 bags of mulch delivered to the house. And just before we came on this podcast, he was out there. My sweet, wonderful husband. It, he loaded those all in the backyard. And I'm like, are you going to be alive for the podcast? But he's here. So I have a cool wheelbarrow, though. It's a, a gorilla cart. Awesome. Yeah. It's so awesome. Hey, having the right tools is important. Absolutely. Yes. Yes. Cool. So how's pandemic hitting you guys? What's up in your world now? You have your other challenges, but what's this? I'm going to let you answer first. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the ocean. Some days it's smooth. And you go, you know what? We got it. We got it. Let's be cool and hang out. Other days, it is a storm, and you're like, fuck this. Seriously. Yeah. I mean, you get frustrated, and you want to, you know, be moving forward, and you want to be doing those things. But I think Melissa and I are both pretty even-keeled, um, or we balance each other out. If one's going one way, the other one will go the other way. That helps a lot that, you know, if one person's having a bad day, the other person's kind of rescuing. Yeah. Kind of like, or we're giving more space to that person because yeah. they are going to explode. Yeah. Why don't you, why don't you just <laughs> go over there? Why don't you go paint something? Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Bread, so bread I, starters, I yeah. Think, <laughs> I think with the pandemic, it probably, you know, you, you guys are on social media. You see what everybody's posting. Sure. I mean, you can tell that people are, are, frustrated with more things than just the pandemic. And right. um, I think it's, man, trying to find those other things that aren't on social media that don't have that um, to, to be working on. I mean, we have a two-year-old running around. Yeah. We are constantly working on the house, whatever it is. I got to tell you, I follow Melissa's Instagram and I've been following since you bought your little place out as, I don't know, I don't give away your city, but you bought a little place out in the desert and you've taken this old mom and pop kind of block house and turn, because you are designers, because you are handy, you've turned it into this paradise in the desert. I was like drooling over your fence yesterday, your enclosed fence. And I was like, Oh, it's such a cool little yard. I want one, but it's amazing yeah. what you guys are doing out there. It, you know, it, it keeps you sane, but yet you want to be, you want to be out there. I mean, were there, were there any projects that you were both working on that just got just shit canned because of pandemic? Oh, you're talking. Oh, um, no. Well, I didn't have a project before, but I have had a project that um, I actually got during the <coughs> pandemic in April. Um, it's a revenge Western, female-driven Western, and I'm really excited about it. Hell yeah. Uh, I scouted in Montana in um, June. I'd never been to Montana before, and it was incredible. It's kind of the dream job. But I'm still waiting to find out if it's going to go or if it's going to push to spring. I'm going to find out on Monday. So that's where my mood is right now. But um, it's actually given me the high all summer, though, to get me through because I've been working on it. I've been working on all the character stuff and all the color story stuff and, and things just to kind of keep myself busy. And it's given me hope. 
I mean, I think that's one thing that we really all need right now because we don't know when we're working next is that hope, you know, because it is a huge part of who I am and I'm sure what you, who you are. And it's like yeah. not having that, it's like, I don't know, th having that this past summer has been huge for me. Is anything it's going to suck if it doesn't go. But again, it's like if it doesn't go, then, you know, it'll go later. But how about you, Travis? Are you having any kind of like, are, are they are they auditioning people? I mean, they, you get put on tape all the time. Are you no, gonna... I don't. Yeah, actually. Um, well, you can mention this project. It's possible that I'm working on this project. We'll Ooh. see. <clears throat> You're well, going to be a bad not. guy? Is it, if it's an all-female revenge Western, are you the bad guy? Or are you the... Papers are signed. Okay. Um, so that's that's a wonderful thing. There's also I had I kind of lucked out because I, I wrote a feature script that I'd been working on for a while, and I wanted to shoot a scene like a, maybe a ten minute scene of it um, just to kind of showcase it so we could show it off. Right. And um, we ended up being able to shoot that at the end of February. Right before the pandemic. So Melissa production designed, um, Adam Brummond, who is a, a really wonderful director, directed it, and myself and Alex Dizer, um star in it. And we got that done, we shot it. So then when COVID hit, we went into post-production, which started taking a little bit longer. So we're still finishing the last bits of this. So that's been kind of a thing that I've been like, Oh, okay. Let's keep working on this little project and get this, get this um, ready to go. So maybe we can get it to some festivals, or maybe we can get it in the hands of some people um, that would like to look at it. There you go, so. or fundraise. Yeah, use it to fundraise. I think it's really smart. You were tapped into something that occurs to me. It's like it's really, really smart if you're an actor who can write or who wants to write, because then you can write yourself into the scene. You can write things for yourself and the people that you know and your friends. I mean, that's how it freaking works, right? That's what Lin-Manuel Miranda did. He didn't see himself in the world and he, he made himself happen. So I feel like that's really cool that you're doing that. I mean, that makes me feel hopeful because I'm always worried about my actor friends. Like, I'm a writer and everybody should worry about writers because nobody gives a shit about us or respects us. And they think, well, I can do that. Uh, and they try and they oh, they overwrite you and all that kind of stuff. But act, my actor friends, it's just... You're literally being judged for your surface qualities. And it is such a hard thing because you're a commodity. And I feel like right. if you want to, you know, grow or at least give yourself a little bit more road, writing is the place to go. I respect writer actors like so hard. So. It, and I think that it's, it's another thing too, even whether you're good or not at it, really. Um, to do it because it definitely gives you a different perspective. Yes, I mean, yes. when I first wrote it, I was like, there it is. Draft one, home run. Let's shoot it. And I go back and then I go back and read it and I go, this is garbage. Yep. Like yep. Pe yep. human beings don't even talk this way. What well, do you he is a writer. <laughs> I have to say, uh, you know, there's two writers sitting here with you. Uh, Andre and I both write and when people are always like got any advice I'm like don't be afraid to suck until you get good and it's the same thing with acting you have to you're going to be terrible until you're good so the thing about draft one draft 16 don't worry about the draft numbers you know you you do it until you get better at it and that's what you know writing is writers write that's the only true uh, good advice about writing everything else is just subjective and conjecture and I never saw Sid Field make a fucking movie so stop buying his book anyway um <laughs> Seriously. Uh, but so I think that's really cool. I was going to ask just some wacky questions. What is the weirdest thing you were asked to do in an audition, Travis? You ever have any like strange moments, anything you can talk about? Your daughter's going to listen to this later when she's grown up. So now, um, probably the, probably the Speedo. I was going to say Speedo. I'll never forget that. Um, I had it about, I don't know what You wanted was. to return it afterwards, too. So you <laughs> saved the tag. <laughs> I had a. <laughs> I, had the, I got this audition. It was during the Olympics years ago. And I had some age, you know, an agent, and they sent me out for this commercial, and it was for the Olympics. And it, was, it wasn't it was even comedy. This was, like, straight, like, straight. And it was for an Olympic swimmer. And I was like, I, I'm not built like a swimmer. I'm built probably more like 
I don't know, a wrestler or something. I'm not that long, lean thing. And they wanted to see us in a Speedo. And I'm like, dude, are you serious? Okay. First of all, I have some tattoos. I have tattoos. I have a lot of body hair. Yeah, well, <laughs> but not a lot of tattoos, but there's a couple tattoos. Right. And I was like, there's no way. As soon as I show up and they see me, I'm like, they're like, why are we going <laughs> to? This guy's not an Olympic swimmer. But anyways, maybe in Ukraine, probably, you could be. I am Russian swimmer. This is what yeah, they look like. Very cold. <laughs> yes, Moscow. I knew I, I knew I was doomed before I went in, but I was like, I'm going to go in and do this. Wow! So I went out and bought some speedos, and I was like, I'm never going to wear these again. I'm just going to keep the tag. Can we? But I so want to back. I, I want. I got to back up all the way up. What <laughs> casting director said, you know what? Yeah. Let's have the actors come in and banana hammocks. Uh, Is that a common thing that they, they want you to come I've, in? With I've, the... never, I've never dealt with it since. Okay. <laughs> I feel like something else was going on, Travis. Anyway, go ahead. <laughs> Forever joke. It's like, but I, <laughs> to me, it was, you know, I went in and, and they were, you know, they want to see what you look like in a swimsuit. And I was like, all right, I'm I'm dead right here. Well, they so. do it to women, so I get okay. But yeah, right. I mean, honestly, it wasn't that bad for me. It was definitely uncomfortable, but I was I looked at it more as like this is this is comedy. But um, <laughs> then they started asking me swim questions, like how fast is your best freestyle and uh, swim test. Yeah, and like, did you ever do the backstroke? And I was like, oh yeah, yeah. And they're like, what was your time? And it was like, it was really good. I know that. I know it was real good. Am I the only one sitting here that thinks that maybe like, Travis I, I made porn? Did he? I think he made porn. I think he made the beginning of a porno, right? Well, I was like, yeah, your TV's broke. I'm here to fix it. Um, <laughs> right? Sir, why are you wearing Speedos? Uh, wow. So I, I fixed TV. What a bizarre. That's very bizarre. I didn't expect that as an answer. Wow. And like, where was the, was it just a cold, one of those cold white rooms where you walk in and, and do you, are you taking your clothes off in front of them? Or are you walking in, in the Speedo with the tag tucked in? No, or? no, walked in, you had your, your clothes and then they wanted to see, you know, what you look like. Wow. And, and I was just like, this sucks. God bless um, actors, man. It was, I didn't even get a call back for that. You what? Those bastards. Go. Listen, oh. whomever, if you're listening to this and you're the person who called Travis in and any of these actors to wear their Speedos from, what year was this? I, may, I think maybe. it was 2004 because I was, I was in architecture school. I remember was it? Yeah. you called me and I was in class. Whatever that 2004, that yeah. If, you stub, if you've stumbled upon this podcast and that's you, I need to talk to you. I need to know what's going <laughs> on with you. And if you're, if you're okay, where can we find this porno? Where can we download this? <laughs> I mean, Apparently it sounds I wasn't like either because they didn't even call me back for any of it. Right. Oh. It sounds like you were auditioning for the Olympics. Like right? <laughs> they were asking you like your no. best time, your favorite stroke. Right. Like <laughs> they did. They, you know, it's funny because in commercials they'll ask you things. Like I was a welder for eight, ten years, and I got called in for a welding commercial on a. I think it was a truck commercial. Yeah, they loved it. And I told them I was welding and they wanted to see all this stuff. And like, ah, no. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Do you do it this way? And I was like, ah, no. <laughs> Welders. Okay. That's Anyways. a whole other rate. You know, you want to pay me my union rate for that? Fine. Uh, <laughs> speaking of the unions, let's get into the union thing. There's a, there's a big kind of thing going on now where um, there's a recent development that SAG-AFTRA has raised the income requirements to qualify for health insurance. Uh, it's, it's raising health insurance qualifications by thousands of dollars. So you have to make like a, a lot more now or an infinitesimal, I don't know what the percentage is, but I know that now actors are facing this challenge of losing their health insurance in the middle of a freaking pandemic where no one's working. What do you make of that? Like, what, what is that? Have they lost their damn I mean, minds? I mean, yeah, you, you said it all. <laughs> you know, it's, it's hard enough um, being an actor and trying to actually make a living at it. Like, that's what you do. You're an actor. And the percentage is so small. Now you got to make 
I think I don't know what it was thirty thousand twenty. No, it went from it was almost nineteen thousand. Now it's going up to almost twenty six thousand. I mean, that's a, I, I don't. That's a huge leap. Yeah. That's a huge. Leap. I don't know what what the the honest to God numbers are, but twenty six thousand is you know quite a bit of money for an actor to be making all the time, especially if and you're most actors are working in other jobs. Yeah. They're working second jobs and you're trying, you're, you know, you're struggling to get co-star roles. Yeah. These are like, you're getting series regular or guest stars or whatever. You're trying to get that five, six liner or whatever it is. And to even make that is hard enough. Now the people that are making it, they're going to raise that and, and, and challenge them harder. I mean, this is our union. These, we looked at them to protect us, to right. help us. Right. And um, right now, pandemic or not, obviously the pandemic is just piling on. But pandemic or not, they, you know, you got to do better than that. You got to do. But there's a lot of they, SAG after probably has one of the biggest unions yes. in entertainment. Yes. yes. Everybody's paying their dues. Where's the money management going? Um, you know, so there's a lot of questions and it's hurting a lot of people. And I think it's very, it's terrible. It's terrible. I see a lot of petitions going around and I think it's something that we need to all come together and fight. You know, I'm no longer really working in the industry anymore, but I, it's a, it's a place near and dear to my heart. So I'm signing every petition, hoping that the, it's the one that catches right. so we can raise hell. And you out there who, you know, if you love actors and what they do, uh, because it's a real hard gig. You know, even though the guys that you think are making a ton of money are not making a ton of money, just imagine the working actor that's going out there every day trying, like as Travis says, trying to get those one-liners, those two-liners or three-liners. It's really fucking hard. So if you see these petitions come your way or go seek them out, you can find them on TikTok and social media everywhere, Instagram, Twitter, go sign those things. Go look up SAG-AFTRA and get in there and yell at uh, yell at the union. They'll be scared to fucking death if we come at them in force. We can fight. Uh, we can uh, defund the police, and we can fight Trump, and we can, you know, scream at Karens and uh, work and fight for our actors all at the same time. We ain't got nothing else to do. Y'all ain't y'all stop y'all stop baking bread now. I notice y'all stop baking bread, <laughs> and you know you're you're not doing any of the other shit. There's only so much Netflix a person can watch. You know, you get through Umbrella Squad, you're kind of done. So go yell about this uh, large and wide because what it does is it cuts people off from their work. And if we don't have actors standing in front of the camera, there's no reason for writers to write. There's no, reader, uh, no reason for Ian to do what he does or Andre to compose music for it or uh, Melissa to dress a set. If we don't have the talent standing there in front of those cameras and we don't protect them, we have no reason to go to work. No reason. And if y'all just want to sit here and keep watching this old shit on Netflix forever, you know, so you got to fight for those things. Little soapbox. I was a little soapbox moment. That was my soapbox moment. Um, how did you guys meet? Go ahead. Is it a um, mute cute story? Okay. We, we worked at a restaurant together in Seattle called The Palomino. And I worked nights as a cocktailer, and he worked um, days in the on the dinner side. And um, one day, he was just pushing the dish cart, and he just kind of did a nice lean on it, and just started talking to me for a while. And uh, yeah, it was kind of pretty irresistible. I couldn't I couldn't stop uh, chatting with him at that point. Wow. It took a little bit, a little bit longer. I was getting out over a boyfriend and blah blah blah, but still. Right. Yeah. And that's where it started. It's kind of a night. It was kind of a high end restaurant at night, and at night I was. It was bar, an I, Yeah, I was barbacking, and so after all, and the bar was on one side, and but there was just, dish, you know, you got to carry the dishes back and blah blah blah, and it's super high. Like people are eating, and she was working as a hostess. So I had this dirty old dish cart, and I just kind of rolled up on the host stand. It's like, he yeah. leaned on it. He, it did, like, he did like a clean lane. He's like, <laughs> <laughs> were you a goner instantly, Melissa, or did you take a minute to kind of take stock of this young man? It's awful to say this, but I kind of pushed him away because I was getting over a boyfriend that was like much older than me, you know, and I just kind of was trying to just like be on my own and be in school. So I tried to push him away for a good couple of weeks. And then he started to like date this other cocktailer. And I was Damn like, it. Oh, <laughs> 
then you snatched her wig off her head, broken neck, you know, broken neck in the bathroom. Yeah. All right. <laughs> He's like, I'm still friends with her. Stop. Oh. <laughs> That's really cool. And how long have how long have you been together? How many years has it been? We've been together for 20 years. Wow. Yeah. About 20 years. It'll be 20 years this winter. I think we, yeah, this fall. We've been married for. How long have we been married? You don't know. No, 2004. Math is 17 years. Not a math person. 17. (laughs) Me neither. I wouldn't have been able to work that out either. Yeah. (laughs) That's why we got married on Halloween in 2013. So it was 10, 31, 2013. So I would remember when I got married. Otherwise, I. Fuck would have no fucking idea. When'd you get married? I don't know. 18, 17. You the cutest couple around between you two and, and your dog Haggis. I just love <laughs> well, all of your friends. You're so sweet to say because when we go out in public, people ask if Ian is my adopted grandson. So, you know, thank you for the comment. <laughs> it's a little May, December thing going on. Uh, one of the questions I want to ask is you, you have a new child. Well, new to me. <laughs> two, yeah. I mean, I've two seen, kids. I knew when you were pregnant and the whole thing, but she's two years old, right? She's, she's right at two. She's just turned two. Yeah. Right. Just so a month ago. what was that conversation like when you said, okay, we want to be parents. Did you talk about it? Did you think about it? Like, how did you plan for your future knowing that we are in this craft that ebbs and flows and now mm-hmm. we're in the pandemic? Like where did, what was the initial conversation and where's your head at now with being parents? Um, I, I think we always kind of talked about it um, in our relationship because the idea of us not having a child always seemed kind of sad because we loved each other so much. And I just think that, you know, we both kind of knew that we'd be great parents. But from a work side, starting a new career back in, I guess it was 2010, was that kind of big shift for me. So I was always a little worried about like how I would do that, how I'd be able to have a child and be able to continue to work and and those types of things or be hireable. And now that I think about it, that was kind of a silly thing to worry about, but I worried about it for a good six or seven years. And there was a point where it's like, from an age standpoint, I needed to pull the trigger or I was not going to be able to, to, to deliver. Um, but I had a really rough um, but wonderful uh, indie project that I did in Arkansas back in 2016. And it was one of those, like, it, it kind of murdered me from uh, a tired and exhausted standpoint. But it was also a really wonderful uh, project. But once I came back from that, I had another big job, an interiors job with um, Dallas. So I was gone almost a lot of that year. And I was away from him a lot. And it was after those two projects back to back, it was like, I came back and I was just like, we got to reconnect and we should really make this. I mean, we both decided together that we would make this a priority regardless of what the future was to hold. So I feel like once we started to do that, we didn't even really worry about when it was going to happen. And it happened pretty quickly. And I'm 40, 44. So, and I was 41 when I got pregnant. So, um, I, yeah, so I'm really surprised that it went so smoothly, but I'm really glad that it did. And I'm, I'm I just love our daughter so much. And She's amazing. I've never met her. I just look at pictures. I stalk her all the time through your Instagram and she, I'm just watching her grow up before my eyes and I'm like, oh my God. She's really special. So tra- and she's a lot of fun. And I think she brings out the best in us. <clears throat> yeah, I was going to say, so how are you guys, like with Travis, like, so Travis, you book a big gig outside, you know, it's 2021, April, we're there. You're, you're, you're the lead in the thing. And then Melissa turns around, same month, books a show. It's, they're two different locations. We got baby Edie, you know, like, well, how does that look? What, what are you going to do there? I think that is, uh, a, a really great scenario. And I think that thought right now can actually mess you up because what you start doing is playing into a what if, yeah. and you can actually stress yourself out and go, Oh, how are we going to do it? It's almost We've like that before too. It's we so do it all the time. It was almost like, well, when we have a kid, how are we going to, and we come up with all these 10 scenarios. What we can kind of do is rough it out and go, okay, well, let's, Again, like anything, you f- you figure it out. And if I happen to book a gig and Melissa books a gig, depending on how big the gig is, where can you get help? 
Right. Who can you reach out to? Right. What will production help you with or mm-hmm. won't help you with? What are these things? So you start opening up other doors to possibilities. Um, if you just think about it right now, obviously you, you get scared. You go, oh, well, how are we going to do this? Yeah. I mean, we a babysitter and they yeah. got to go with us and blah, blah, blah. But I think when you cross, when you get to that bridge and, and you start to cross it, you figure it out. You do. You have no choice. This is your kid and you got to figure it out. And so when you are, you know, your back's up against the wall, you, you do it. And um, kind of like parenthood, yeah. right? Well, it's parenthood. It's it's this whole thing. I can just envision a big burly grip holding Edie. You know, going. Oh, I need to go change your diaper, guys. <laughs> Make way. You know, I can just well, see that sort of happening. You know, we um, do. We do have a lot of roughhousing, so it's kind of, you know. Well, she moves around a lot. I mean, we still <clears> go back to our place in L.A. every right. couple of weeks, and sometimes we'll go and stay a couple of nights or whatever. But she moves back and forth a lot, and I feel like that's going to help her whenever she does need to adapt to new settings and new places and things like that. And luckily. We have the luxury of her being younger. She's not in school yet, so we can kind of tote around. Right. But um, I think that she's going to, I think she's going to do well in terms of adapting. That's awesome. I got to ask a question of both of you. For Edie in the future, I mean, obviously, I know you guys well enough to know that you want your daughter to be whatever she wants to be, but would you want (laughs) your daughter to be a production designer, Melissa? Or for you, Travis, would you want your daughter to be an actor? If she chose these professions, would you be happy or a little bit like, Oh shit, it's really tough. Like what would you, would you right now as parents right now when she's two, what do you Yeah. Um, I I honestly, I mean, it's it's tough right now, and it's especially with this pandemic <clears throat> and financially and all those different things, but I want her to love what she does. And I want her to so if she finds it production design, she watches me enough over the years and she thinks that, that that's an interesting thing or interior design or something of that realm, I will encourage it because you know, you can't help but succeed if you like what you do and you like the people that you're working with. And yeah, it, I mean, financially, it just depends on what your goals are there too. But any any industry is competitive. Any Anything that you do is competitive. But I think to fight to find and go after what you want is truly, it's so important because we only, I mean, as far as I'm aware, we only have one life. We may have multiple. I have no idea. But um, I just feel like life is really long when you hate what you do. I think you guys probably can all relate to that. Totally. Like what job that you had where you're just like clock watching and just like get me out of here or the people are miserable or whatever. It's like it's it's really long whenever you don't like what you do. So find it, you know? Yeah. For for your, your for would you like she wants to be an actor, <laughs> would you go, Hell no, go do what your mom does? <laughs> <laughs> I might, I might say that once or twice. <laughs> I, I think that if, if acting was something that she wanted to get into, you know, it's, it's one of those things that what you see on TV and what's portrayed in magazines and what young people or even older people, it's not just a young thing. What people in general uh, are, are thrown at is this idea of what this or thing image. is. Yeah. Yeah. And so a little girl like that, you know, chasing this idea of this bullshit. I don't want that. Now, if she gets into the craft and really dives into what it is and what it's about and that this is a thing and you're part of a team and in these things and really owns that. Yeah. I, I think it would be a really wonderful thing, but at a little age, you know, I want her to get dirty and, and play outside and be a kid rough house and, and be a kid and and not worry about that stuff yet and um and uh you know we'll see when when the time comes how she's feeling but yeah i just that that superficial stuff is really scary to me because i i can see what it can 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 do to people well we even see it in a lot of the content for children you know like some of the content that's uh, on some of these things uh, it's like some of the kids are like already like they're almost adults yeah. or like makeup and hair and just it's just and I just don't want that to be perceived as like that's that's the thing that's it you know um but yeah it's it, they start them young <laughs> in terms so, of the, yeah they do she, what you're seeing I don't think that'll be Edie I just get you two cool cats uh, being her parents to, yeah she's gonna have to work 
Yeah. Yeah. Well, right now, I I think she's just, we're just trying to allow her to explore as much as possible. If she wants to go get, you know, put a dress on and get dirty by a four wheeler, fine, whatever. As long as she's not like hurting herself and she's like, you know, playing and exploring. And I just feel like you don't, you're not a kid for very long. And, you know, um, just thinking about me being a kid, it's like, my mom was always a little bit rigid in our house and she was a lot more like, you know, the clean fanatic and things like that. But I feel like allowing your kid to be a kid for a little while, cause just enjoy it because it doesn't last very long. It goes by really fast. Travis, what happens when your daughter, she's 20, she's been called to an audition. She walks in and she goes, dad, it's for the Olympics. And they want me to wear. <laughs> <laughs> Ah, you're going to go, is this Nancy again? Is Nancy doing this shit again? I'm getting that phone. I think I'm going to go with you on this audition. We're going to talk to these people. (laughs) That's what's going to happen. There's going to be a, like, you're going to, you're going to be like that guy going, this really famous actor just came in and beat up the casting director's ass, like in front of us all. But you know, uh, we don't know. We don't want to talk about Travis like that. It'll be, it'll be a story. It'll be really, well, I'm, I'm, I'm hoping that I, that I, that Melissa and I raise her to question a lot of things. Yes. And, um, you know, really, really, I tend to be more of an observer anyway. I mean, right now I might not be, but I will sit back and just watch and watch and watch. And people always think I'm mad because I look mad. Well, he's got an intensity to it. I relate to this one with my husband. I don't know. I just look mad, but I'm not. I'm actually just watching and I'll catch Edie doing the same thing. And I'm hoping that, you know, she's aware of her surroundings. You're reading the room. You're seeing what's legit, what's not. And if she questions it, ask us. I mean, yeah. we'll, I'll, I'll love to come along yeah. and see what's going on. That's pretty awesome. I just yeah. can't go wrong. I mean, I, I, I sort of see this little life. I've already like told little stories to myself just sitting here thinking about you guys being on set, you know, and coming up on sets. And that's how they learn. Whatever uh, Edie decides to do, I think it's going to be bomb because, you know, you guys rock. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I hope that we get back to work. I hope you guys get back to work. But as Ian and I have been talking about and also with Andre, we want to get back to work safely. Andre had written a musical that we're going to workshop it this summer at his university. Yeah, and now, awesome. you know, we can't do that. He's, he's, he's over here going, okay, what the hell am I doing with all of this fire and energy? So... Uh, I'm trying to finish a novel, but finding that I have all the time in the world is not helpful at all (laughs) because the world is on fire. (laughs) Yeah. Where's the deadlines? Where's the deadline? Right. The concentration is gone and, and, you know, Ian is out there working, but you know, you have to, you have to be safe in doing this. And I think about people with children or other family members in their house that are vulnerable. Like we can't just rush back into this. So I don't know what the world's going to hold. Is there anything that you want to talk about or mention or, or bring up before we, we say goodbye for now? Is there anything you guys no. want people to know about your profession? Like Travis is like, please stop being an actor. We need all the roles that we can get. You guys can <laughs> go home now. <laughs> no, I think that I think there's plenty. I mean, I think that there's plenty of room for a lot of things. And with what we're screaming about with diversity and bringing in more voices and bringing more people to the table. Like, you know, there, there's, there's room for, for a lot of people, men and women, not just in front of the camera, <clears throat> but behind the camera. Mm-hmm. Producers, writers, directors that can tell a story in, in different ways. Yes. And um, I think that there's plenty of room to do that. And I, and I think we need to see it. And I think audiences need to be challenged. I really do. I think that that um, as much as I love a giant blockbuster and all that good stuff, I think it's fantastic. I think that independent films are just as viable. I agree. I think that um, films from uh, different points of view, whether it's uh, black or Hispanic or Asian or gay or whatever, Native American, seeing Native American voices would be a, a great thing. And I think challenging the audience to, hey, watch this. Because maybe at the at the, the foundation of that, it's a human story that we can understand. It always is. And hopefully understand and realize that 
you know, superheroes are more than just people in capes. There's there's a lot of wonderful things um, that people have to say that we don't know about. So let's learn, you know? So I, I hope in that respect, um, you know, people people open up themselves up to, to see those things. Hey, that's a great way to, to, to end it. Beautifully said. Yeah. And... Uh, I couldn't say it any better. That's amazing. You guys, uh, thank you for joining us, Melissa and Travis. Thank you for having us. I hope uh, I hope Edie's having Andre, a good I nap. Hear more about your musical. Yes. <laughs> oh, of course. Call Dorian. We'll tell you all about it. It's great. Uh, and he'll be, I'm sure when he gets it up and running, we're all gonna be, I'm gonna be crowing about it every 15 seconds, or we'll be like, Lisa, <laughs> shut up. I'm I will not. Uh, so yeah, thank you guys for coming on the show and you out there who listen, thank you for coming back and joining us. And, uh, we hope that you're hanging in there. I hope these talks with professionals in the business are helping you along. Sign that petition, uh, about working actors and actors in the business who need help with their health insurance. We gotta, we gotta stomp that into the ground. That's bullshit. And take care of yourself. If your pee is dark, what does that mean, guys? Drink water. You're dehydrated. Drink water. Right. Uh, get rest. Don't get too much rest. Your life will pass you by. But like, take care of yourself and just know that we here at Ashland love you very much. Peace. All right. Thank Bye, you guys. So much. Bye, guys. Bye. Bye.